Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. Well, let me take a few seconds now to talk to you about our regathering process. Uh, Some of you have contacted us and said, you know what? (laughs) I don't have Facebook or I don't have Instagram. And matter of fact, I'm rarely on the web. What's going on at LFC? Well, we've been doing our best to let you know what's happening going forward. And this last week, we sent out a blast of email to about 700 email addresses. Now, if you didn't get that, that means we don't have you signed up for that. Somebody says, well, I gave you my email address. We didn't automatically sign you up to our email because we want to respect your address and respect your privacy. So if you'd like to get our email updates, make sure you email us at office at lompocfoursquare.com. If you're on Facebook right now, you can DM us with your uh, address and we will get it to you. But let me tell you what's going on. Well, some churches today are opening up in Santa Barbara County. Some are waiting to July. Some are even waiting till September to open up. We have decided to hold off until July, and we will get you those dates. One person said, wait till July. I don't know if I can wait till July. Well, I said, do you understand the experience that you will have if you gather now under the county guidelines. For example, this sanctuary that usually has around 400 seats in it has right now 100 seats in it. This is the maximum we're allowed. But this is what the sanctuary looks like right now. And this is where you'll be allowed to sit. Now, you'll notice some chairs that are together. Well, if you have been quarantined with another person, or two, then you can sit in a clump of two or three or four seats. If you have been quarantined by yourself, then you'll sit in a separate chair because all of the clumps or the individual seats have to be six feet apart in every direction, 100 maximum here. And because of technology, we'll have the overflow building or the connections building venue open, and that building has 50 seats. So about 150. What you need to understand is uh, we usually have at least 150 in our sanctuary at our 8 o'clock service. And at the latter services, we can have anywhere from 250 to 325 people in a service. That's not even including our children, which the county is asking us not to have children's ministries when we gather. So What we've wanted to do is do our very, very, very best to allow your experience to be its very best when you arrive. We'll talk more about it, and uh, I hope you'll uh, allow yourself to be patient because there is no one, I'm going to say it again, no one who wants to meet with you in person than I do. And we want to make it the best possible experience when it can happen. Hey, last point, watch in June because we're going to announce a special day where we're going to have a drive-through called Summer is Here. It's going to be great, going to be a lot of fun. Can't get out of your cars, but it's going to be a lot of fun, and we'll enjoy that time together. But until then, be praying for us. We're trying to lead you the best way we know how with the best information that we have. 
If you have a Bible, I'll encourage you to go to Acts chapter 2. It's the story of Pentecost. And I'll begin reading Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. That's important. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? And maybe as you've read these scriptures or heard me read today, you may ask, what does this mean? Well, in Acts chapter 2, verse 14 to 19, Peter answers that question. He stood up with the 11 in verse 14, and he raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. He said, in my last days, God says that I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And I will show wonders in heavens above the signs and on the earth below. See, you can't really look at the life of Jesus without looking at Pentecost. You can't really study the gospel without taking a look into Pentecost because the gospel is a part of Pentecost. It's the filling and the overflowing of the power and the presence of God. And notice the Bible doesn't say that after this day, this day became Pentecost. No, actually in Acts 2 verse 1 it says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, when it came, it was already a day. Pentecost was already a feast, a festival, a holiday, an observance. It of course commemorated the Passover and Pentecost was held 50 days, or where we get the word pente, Pentecost, 50 days after the Passover, or in New Testament, 50 days after Good Friday, where Christ himself 
was crucified during the Passover. We know that from the Old Testament, the Passover was when the people of Israel would take the blood of the sacrificial lamb and apply it to the doorpost of their house. And the death angel would come over the home and look for the blood and go, that's one that I will not cause death to come to them. And rather than death, life would come to that family. Jesus Christ is our ultimate sacrifice. He's our Passover lamb. He's the one that gave his life for us so that we could have life and have life more abundant. You see, this Passover commemorated the first time where Moses went up the mountain, Mount Sinai, where he went up and received the Ten Commandments and then came down the mountain and began to direct the people towards the promised land and to follow the commandments of God. It's interesting when you put all of this together that the prophet Joel would prophesy that men and women, even servants and those who were masters, would all have dreams or prophecies or words from God. In other words, there's no difference now with gender. And many of you know, in the biblical times, women were considered second-class citizens, but not when Jesus came. By the way, ladies, you should always thank Jesus because he was a champion of women and women's rights. He was. And you should also cheer Jesus who says, I love all of you. Every generation, let the children come to me. That's precious to us. And that Jesus would care for those that were lepers or Samaritans, those that were outcasts. See, Jesus was a unifying king, a unifying savior. And the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts falls upon everyone gathered in the upper room. Not just the apostles, but all 120 followers, men and women. And when the Holy Spirit gives tongues, he doesn't just give the tongues of one nation or two nations. Again, this is a feast. And this was a time where people would gather and make a pilgrimage to the holy city of Jerusalem. So around the upper room are all kinds of people. The population has more than quadrupled. People are everywhere who've come in for the festival. You can read about it in Exodus 23. You can read about it in Deuteronomy 16. Now notice this word in Acts 2 verse 2. Suddenly the Holy Spirit comes, which reminds us that God is not boxed in by our formulas or our program. It's not, ooh, if we sing this song, the Holy Spirit will come in power. Or if we pray this prayer or quote this scripture, or if we gather in a circle when we could or when we can again and held hands together at just this right time of day, the Holy Spirit will come. No, suddenly. And when you really study that, it, it, it denotes the fact that the Holy Spirit comes and moves when he chooses. He's a spirit of order and never of confusion. He's a spirit of order and never of chaos. So by the time the followers of Jesus have celebrated Pentecost, the commemoration of God coming down 
with fire on the mountain called Mount Sinai to meet with Moses. Here's what we find. And let us take a look at Exodus 19, the second book of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus 19, verse 16 says, On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightings and thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. They were fearful. And when Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Boy, I can see them doing this. And now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in, look at that word, fire. Then smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. What did the people do? They knew the presence of God was there on the mountain. They knew when the fire of God fell, like it fell as a pillar of fire, or as it guided the people of Israel by night, the fire of God, or as it burned on the burning bush, the fire that burned the bush, never consumed the bush, but yet made the bush more beautiful and a holy place. All of this fire caused them to say something in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 19, and here's what they say. Moses, Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but don't let God speak directly to us or we will die. So God comes down to the mountain, and the people of Israel know a couple of things, that the fire of God is unsafe. You see, we love fires when they're in a fireplace or a fire pit or on a grill flaming up to cook our best hamburger or our favorite hot dog. We like fire. We like it to warm us, but we like it in its place or its space because then it's safe. And they knew that if they got near the fire of God, a couple of things would happen. First of all, they would die. Remember when, when God told Moses, I'm going to come and see you? <laughs> and then Moses hid in the cleft of the rock. But they also knew this. If they got near the purifying fire of God, that their unrighteousness would be exposed. That God would want to purify them. That God would want to change them. Well, Moses goes up on their behalf and comes down and speaks to them. Now, one person went up. One person came down. In Acts chapter 2, verse 3, here's what happened. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire. The fire of God was falling that separated, and this is so important. It separated and came to rest on each of them. It was no longer one person, just Moses. It was no longer God coming down on a mountain. Now God was coming upon them. It wasn't God coming with fire into the temple or the tabernacle. It was now that each one of them had become a temple of the Holy Spirit. Paul the Apostle said in, in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, that we are the temples of the Holy Spirit. So it's not just he comes to a place, 
or he comes to a people, he comes to each person. The value of every life is seen in the move of the Holy Spirit. God came down, and if you're a note taker, you'll want to write this down, that God came down, but not on a mountain, but on his followers. Every person in the room became a burning bush. Every person in the room was more beautiful than before. You know, of all the bushes on the planet at that time, that was the most beautiful bush because it was filled with the power and the presence and the fire of God, and it was not consumed. Interesting side note, the bush did not cease being a bush. And when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you don't cease being you. You become the best version of yourself, what God intended for you to be, used by God. I think the prophecy of Joel is phenomenal, that boys and girls, men and women would prophesy, and that old men would dream dreams. You know, when people get older, they stop dreaming because dreams have to do with future. But I believe that as we're powered by the Holy Spirit, God will take older people, of which I art one, and give us fresh dreams for the future, for our lives, but also for the next generations to come, where we pour into the next generation of parents, of leaders, both in ministry and in marketplace, where we become dream releasers, as it were, of the dreams that God's put in our hearts and the hearts of others. Acts 2.3, again, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Each of them. Everyone in that room mattered to God and mattered so much he wanted each of them filled and he wanted to empower them to do something they've never done before. So would you write this down? Pentecost, number one, reminds us that we are a dwelling place of God. You and me, all of us who have believed in Jesus Christ as our Savior, we are the dwelling place, the temple of the Most High God. In our series that we just concluded called Hope in the Dark, we've been using this verse, 2 Peter 1.4, Let me read it to you. Through these, he has given us his great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. What Peter is telling us that the promises that God has given us, 7,487 promises in the Bible towards humanity, that we have the ability now to participate in the divine nature of God. You see, the fire of God falls upon us. The transforming work of Jesus on the cross becomes a part of our life, and our nature changes. Sure, like the bush, the bush remains a bush like me. I still remain Bernie, but God changes me from the inside out and transforms me. If Moses were standing next to me, he would say this. Do you know what you're being offered? Do you know the salvation that is ours in Christ, how powerful it is and how precious it is? 
that the works that we try to do back in Moses' day, the law of Moses it's called. Literally, it's the law of God. Where the Ten Commandments are given to the people of Israel. Keep the commandments or die. And Jesus comes and fulfills the law. He doesn't cancel it. He fulfills it by being perfect in every way. All Ten Commandments are checked off in the life of Jesus. And he gets an A+. By the way, four of the commandments are about you and God. Six of the commands are about you and people. That's how much God cares about how we care about others. Sure, we put him first, have no other gods before him, and then we live a life that honors and blesses those around us, and we love our neighbor as ourselves. The other day, uh, a friend of mine shared a story with me. As he was driving around the city of Lompoc, he uh, was praying for our city. And he felt this, this compulsion. He says, I, and here's the word he used, I felt directed to go to a certain location. Now, he'd been at this location before, but in the last few months, he'd not been there. And he felt directed or compelled. And as he arrived at this donation, with his, at this location, with his mask on, he saw a gentleman, and they practiced social distancing, of course. And this gentleman had just received some tragic news in his life just the day before. And my friend goes on to say, I felt as though the Holy Spirit, I'm quoting him, brought me to this destination and allowed me to minister the heart of God, the peace of God, to this gentleman. Now, some would just say, well, that's great, isn't it great? But see, I, I take it in the day of Pentecost where the Holy Spirit has filled us in such a way that he can enable us to do things we can't do on our own. How did my dear friend know that this particular gentleman was at this establishment? He did not know. And how could he know all that this gentleman would need until they sat again with social distancing at a table where they could talk and God could come and fill that space. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Suddenly, he comes. We don't always know when or how, but we do know that when he comes, he's always going to do a couple of things. He's going to draw people to himself, to Jesus Christ. He's going to convict people of their sin. That's what he does. His first name is Holy. And he's going to empower and enable people to do supernaturally what they cannot do on their own. Wow. And the second thing I want you to see is when Pentecost comes, it's a calling to ministry. You see, in Moses' case, one guy goes up, one guy goes down. But on the day of Pentecost, the prophecy of Jesus is fulfilled. You might say, no, 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 Pastor, Joel prophesied about Pentecost. Well, so did Jesus. Because in Acts 1.8, here's what he says. But you will receive power when, future tense, prophetic word, when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and the ends of the world, the ends of the earth. See, Jerusalem was their Lompoc. 
And Judea was their Santa Barbara County. And Samaria was their United States. And then the ends of the earth, well, the ends of the earth. That God wanted to use them and flow through them. And Jesus' word is, you'll be my witnesses. Now, when the Holy Spirit comes, let me remind you of this. He will always do one thing first. Yes, he gives us gifts. Tongues, interpretation, gifts of healing, gifts of faith. There's also gifts of administration. and, and I mean, the, the list goes on and on of gifts that God gives to us. Words of wisdom, words of knowledge. But the number one thing that the Holy Spirit always does, catch this, is causes you and me to be the witnesses of God. Not just Moses coming down and saying, hey, everybody, I saw God. I was in the presence of God. And here's what he says, Ten Commandments. But, but rather, all of us, the 120 that were gathered there, each one of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And Acts 2.11 says, and we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. You know, one of the scriptures reminds us that tongues is a sign for the unbeliever. Could you imagine if you were an unbeliever and you happened to be, well, a, a, an Elamite and you were there walking by and you looked up to the upper uh, room or Solomon's portico and you heard someone speaking in your language, it would be like a Russian guy walking by hearing you speak in perfect Russian or me speak in perfect Japanese. And what am I speaking? Oh, about how great I am. How wonderful the church is. No, no, no. We hear them declaring the praises of God. You see, when the Holy Spirit comes, we become really good evangelists, witnesses of Jesus. And another thing, we become those who worship God like never before. What happened? The Holy Spirit comes and enables them to speak in the other tongues of the different nations that were represented as they all had this pilgrimage to the holy city of Jerusalem. And they're declaring the praises of God. Wow. Could you imagine being there? Hearing somebody speak in your native tongue that shouldn't be enabled to do so? You know, there's lots of people today with uh, what I'm going to call two kinds of religion. Two kinds. The one kind is the law of God. Everything about the law of God and the words of God. Every jot, every tittle, we got it. And some people will actually take the Bible, the law of God, and they'll thump you over the head with it. Now, we should follow the law of God. Don't get me wrong. But some people know all about the words and the theology, but don't know the second part, the wonders of God. We hear them speaking the praises of God. See, the second part is the teachings of God are great, but some religions only gravitate to the teaching and don't embrace the workings of God or the wonders of God. And I contend that we should do both. We should be thrilled about all that's in Scripture. This is God's Word to us. Holy Spirit breathed to us. But we should also be thrilled with His filling our lives and changing us from the inside out. You see, the third thing is that Pentecost gives us a certain message. 
It's not a message about denomination. And it's not a message about our country's greater than your country, though we have the greatest country on the planet. Our message should be about Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We're ambassadors for Christ. We represent him. We know what ambassadors are. They often represent their country in a foreign land. We are of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Jesus Christ, and we represent him as witnesses, ambassadors, or as some versions say, messengers of God, enabled to do so as Christ is making his appeal through us. In 2 Corinthians 5.14, before he says we're ambassadors, it says, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, therefore all died. It's our message. And it's not relegated to the clergy, to apostles and prophets, evangelists and pastors and teachers. It's the message of the body of Christ. Which leads me really to my last point, that Pentecost moves us to unity. To unity. There was a time in the Bible, many of you know the story of the Tower of Babel, where the people began to try to become superior and take all of their resources and build this, this tower to God. And God looked down from heaven and said, hey, look, it's a little, little jungle gym down there. It's a little kid slide. It's not very tall. But they thought, oh, man, look, look, we are way up here elevating our status to somehow reach God. It was the Old Testament stairway to heaven. And God looked down at their hearts and said, your hearts are wrong. And so he has them speak in different languages. This is an Old Testament Holy Spirit move. And they speak in different languages, and now they're confusing each other and don't know whether we're taking the wheelbarrow up or down or building blocks or setting blocks. It was a chaotic moment. He left them over to their own flesh. And boy, if we live by our flesh, there'll be nothing but chaos but by the Holy Spirit, there's a sense of unity together. You know what Pentecost is? Pentecost is the reverse of the curse of Babel, where with order they were speaking supernaturally the praises of God. You no longer have to prove yourself and try to make a tower to God because our Moses, Jesus, he went up the mountain for us. He went all the way up to the cross for us to give his life for us so that we could be united to God. And then he came down and was buried but rose again from the dead to give us life. And what did he say? It's important that I leave so the Holy Spirit can come. Why? Because Jesus knew what the Holy Spirit would do in your life and through your life. And one of the things he would do is always bring Jesus with him. So Jesus could be everywhere on our planet today because he lives inside the lives of people who have given him lordship and who are filled with the Holy Spirit. So Moses goes up and faces the fire for the children of Israel and comes back down. And Jesus goes up and faces the fire, the fire of hell 
all the damnation, all the consequences of our sin, and dies for us to give us life and life more abundant. On the cross, Jesus received all the sin of mankind, the punishment of all of us. Jesus took on the fire for us so we could receive the fire of God in us. Let me say it again. Jesus took on the fire for us so that we could receive the fire of God in us. If you've yet to give your life to Christ, I want to encourage you to give your life over to Jesus. Pentecost Sunday, where the church was birthed, as people worshiped the Lord, as the Holy Spirit gave them supernatural enablement and power. And what is Pentecost all about? That we are his witnesses. I'm a witness that Jesus Christ changes lives, transforms life. He gives us peace with God. We don't fight with God anymore. And he gives us the peace of God that in the midst of this broken, shattered world, there can be peace inside of our hearts. That's the greatest thing I have to offer you today. The greatest gift I could give you is to just simply invite you to give your life over to Christ. Some of you have done that in the last few weeks, and we celebrate that decision. And some of you, even now, can simply say, Jesus, I give you my life. I invite you to be my Savior. I repent of my sin, and I take on the salvation of the Lord. That's a free gift to you, even right now. And all of heaven stops and rejoices and celebrates as you open your life to Christ. Dear ones, don't wait another day. Give him your life today. And if you've of recent day decided to follow Jesus, or even right now, a simple way to make a confession is to text, grab your phone, text, decide Jesus, all one word, decide Jesus to 555-888. Real simple. Decide Jesus to 555-888. And we want to celebrate with you, and we will send you, if you choose, a free packet to get you started on your journey with Jesus Christ. Because it's so important that you give your life to him. I'm just about to finish, and I've gone a few minutes over time, but I would like to read to you, I think, some very poignant words that Jesus prayed right before he went to the cross. And here's what he said in John 17, and these words are so fitting for this time we live in. He said in 17 verse 20, my prayer is not for them alone, but I pray also for those who will believe in me. That's future tense. That's you and me and those of you today that are believing in Christ. I pray for those in 2020 who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be, and here's the word, one, united. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. How close was Jesus to the Father? He's a part of the Trinity. How close is the Father to the Son and the Son to the Father? He says, that's my dream for my people. And may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. What powerful words. It's by our living for God and by the Spirit living in us and by our unity that the world 
will know that Jesus came. I prayed this morning for my dear friends who are opening their churches today. I prayed for those who are waiting till July or August or September. I prayed for those who are different than my style or our denomination. Why? Because we must be one, united in Christ. It's not about color of skin. What unites us together is Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. Sorry if I'm preaching, but I got to tell you, that's what our country needs today. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. It's a process, but may it be so that we're brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me, and you have loved them even as I Uh, as you have loved me. Father, he prays, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see your glory, the glory that you've given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue. This is what he's doing today making you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. It's about the love that we have for God and that we have for each other. That's the prayer of Jesus Christ. And I believe that's the summation of Pentecost. Christ in us, the hope of glory. The Spirit of Jesus in us to enable us to do what we cannot do on our own, and the Spirit of Jesus inside of us so that we would be the witnesses of Christ who died for us, who rose again from the dead for us, and who loves us with an everlasting love. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.